Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. Hey everybody! I would like to play a promo for a podcast before I get into my stuff. Here is Michael. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Michael, host of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast, which was nominated as one of the best British true crime podcasts of 2018, is based on my five-star rated guided walk, and features more than 300 untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders, all set within one square mile of London's West End. So if you love hearing about new cases for the first time, old cases through a fresh pair of ears, and classic cases with a twist, all researched using the original declassified police investigation files, written using first-hand accounts, and recorded using authentic sounds from the murder location itself, then Murder Mile is just for you. Download the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast on iTunes, Acast, or your favourite podcast platform every Thursday. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. If you're into true crime, then you most definitely cannot miss this podcast. Michael does a wonderful job retelling crime stories, and what is even more interesting about him is that he hosts an actual murder mile walk in London. He takes people around to different places where actual crime has taken place. I mean, it's legit, like TripAdvisor legit. So if you're ever in London, please look it up. If not, well, you always have his podcast. Now, let's move on to today's episode. 
Welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. Thank you for sticking around and waiting for me while I took a short pod break. I really needed time to get into my real life and um, adjust. Of course, I would never dream of dropping this little pod because it makes me happy doing this. Not that I take joy in seeing people getting murdered or disappearing part, but yeah, you guys get it. I've got the next few weeks planned out, and I will be doing my best to keep on track. Thank you all again for your patience, and here we go. As an I'm back episode, I will be revisiting an old topic. Not old as in something that I've covered before, but something very well known in the Western crime world. While most cases I covered are pretty new and unknown to most people, including myself sometimes, this one probably will be old news. I wanted to take a look at this case from a different point of view, or rather, from the victim's point of view, as the victim in this case is Asian. Sometimes there are a lot of cultural differences, whether it's how we live, how we think, what we eat, and how we see the world. I have been searching online, and I decided that this would be a good time to get into the other side which is also the side less heard of. Crime is crime. Murder is murder. This will never be okay in my book. This is the case of the murder of Lin Jun, as in the Chinese man who was murdered and dismembered by the infamous, disgusting, gross dude, Luca Magnata. Yeah, ew, I know. But this episode isn't going to be about him. There are enough episodes about him, and I think lots of people are tired of him. If that's you, well, I hope this episode doesn't turn you off. There will be some graphic descriptions of the murder, so please proceed with caution. Lin Jun was born on December 30th, 1978, in the province of Hubei in China. It's sort of around the center area of China. He grew up in a rural town with his family. Both his parents worked for the railway system there, and although they were not necessarily poor, they did live rather simple lives. Their main method of transportation would be riding bicycles around town, with his dad riding up front and his mom sitting in the back with Lin in her arms. His parents eventually ended up divorcing, but they also had a daughter before that, It was rumored that she wasn't their biological daughter, and that she was given to them. Either way, they took her in as their own. She was at least 10 years younger than Lin. Both he and his sister went on to live with his mother after the divorce, and his sister took her mother's last name instead of using Lin. It was said that Lin's mother was very strict with him when he was growing up, but to be honest, It's really difficult for us right now to tell the differences between abuse and strict because um, we all know that there are some parents who are pretty strict and scary and many still do the whole corporal punishment thing. Also, we're reading and hearing about this, so what might be ordinary disciplining in China could be easily misunderstood as abuse. It happens less and less now because of how the world is changing. But considering it was the 80s, I would say it probably happened. It wasn't frowned upon to beat your kid, but just seen as a way to keep kids in line. 
I'm sure disciplining your child like that is not just an Asian thing either. I went to schools where the teachers were allowed to hit us with sticks, so of course your own damn mother had the right to do so as well. What I'm trying to say is, the idea of growing up with a strict mother who beat you can get easily misinterpreted. I don't know, maybe people think of Norman Bates, where he has a weird relationship with his mother and she was like super strict on him. But no, not that kind. Just a normal, I can't believe you failed this test. I cannot believe you didn't get an A on this test kind of thing. You know, Asian stuff. Anyway, according to other family members, Lin Jun was always a shy kid, very friendly and always listened to his mother. Adults were naturally drawn to him because he was always smiling and seemed to be a very happy child. The corners of his mouth actually seemed to be naturally upturned, which I would say is the opposite of a rusting bitch face. Lin went to school in Wuhan, the biggest city in the province of Hubei. He eventually moved to Beijing for work after graduating from university, and that's where he began to look into information about Canada. His mother always knew that her son was very interested in learning English and the Western culture. So when he finally announced to her that he was moving to Canada to study, she was very happy for him. Of course, she was also super worried because, you know, the West is still relatively mysterious to many people. Especially when they don't actually get out of the country very much, so they don't know what's happening out there. He got all his documents and all his applications ready, but before moving to Canada, he moved from Beijing to Shanghai for a while, around 2009 and 2010. His dreams finally came true in 2010 when he arrived in Montreal on a student visa. As soon as he arrived, he called his mother, telling her not to worry. They used video call a lot, where he showed her his apartment, his school, parks nearby, etc. It was a beautiful place, he kept telling her. Most importantly, he told her that Canada was a safe country. And there is absolutely nothing to worry about. Lin Jun eventually began studying electrical and computer engineering at Concordia University in Montreal. He was said to have been interested in coding and gaming. He was already 32 at the time, but of course, there's no such thing as being too old to study and learn new things. Let's stop here for just one second. As you can probably tell, Lin Jun was very close to his mom as he and his sister went on to live with her after the divorce. Despite their closeness, none of his family members were aware of his sexual orientation. Yes, Lin Jun was a gay man. He was pretty publicly gay online and to his friends, but not to his family. The most popular Chinese social media website is a site called Weibo. It's pretty similar to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram combined. But, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are those things from the Western world. So, you know, evil and banned in China. So they kind of have their own thing. Lin Jun was pretty much out of the closet on his social media page, and he had quite a lot of followers. His friends had once said that Lin Jun had a boyfriend when he was living in Beijing, and this boyfriend was the reason Lin Jun ended up moving to Shanghai and then eventually to Canada. Yes, he did want to go to Canada, but this was perfect. Canada was more open and more friendly when it came to different sexual orientations or different lifestyles. 
While some parts of China can be pretty progressive, thought-wise, it still was not as widely accepted as it was in the West. It sucks, I know. But these things kind of take time. So many people grow up thinking that being gay is wrong or weird, especially back in the days, or maybe in rural areas. They think that it's a choice or a phase. Until people get educated and re-educated, this way of thinking might not go away. While I was researching Chinese websites, I saw so many places mention that Lin Jun's major goal in life was to find true love, and that, to me, is just really sad and just really cute and pure. Just the fact that he was willing to follow his boyfriend all over the place says a lot. I truly believe he was a good person, just trying to find his place and his special person in life. During his time at Concordia University, he was also taking French lessons. He was very self-conscious of his age because he was already in his 30s, probably a decade or so older than most of his classmates. He tried not to think about it, but he also couldn't help but act a lot older than his peers as well. He was known to take care of his fellow classmates and help them whenever they needed him. He was very patient and had a good temper, which probably made him come off a lot more mature than others. Aside from studying computer engineering in French, he was also working at a convenience store near his apartment. The owner was also very satisfied with Lin Jun as he was a hard worker, very responsible, and kind to his customers. I know people tend to say good things about the victims and the deceased, but I think it's clear that there is a pattern here with Lin Jun. He was not necessarily very outgoing or besties with the entire world, but his qualities were very clear and consistent. Moving on to the day of the crime, Lin Jun was last heard from on May 24th, 2012, at around 9pm, when he had sent a text message to a friend. He was last seen in person earlier that day as well, but the last time anyone would ever catch a glimpse of him would probably have to be at around 10.16pm, where he was seen entering Luca Magnata's apartment building. They seemed to be acting friendly with each other, but nothing more than normal friendly gestures was ever seen from their interaction. So the pair entered Magnata's apartment at around a quarter after 10. Then around 2.06 a.m., Magnata was seen leaving the apartment for the first time. The grossest thing about this is that he was seen wearing the yellow shirt that Lin Jun was wearing when he entered the apartment. Magnata returned about seven minutes later with a plastic bag. He stopped at the entrance of his apartment building to admire his reflection in the mirror. He proceeds to make several more trips to the dumpster area of his apartment building, discarding things that look like clothes, linen, pillows, paper, and even an empty pizza box container. He was also seen returning with a big suitcase in the early morning of May 25th. His garbage dumping expedition doesn't end till late May 25th, and he is seen entering and leaving the apartment multiple times during those days as well. What a complete weirdo and sicko. I watched the CCTV footage, and he's just so casual about it. If you've ever seen it, you might notice that Luca Magnata always does this head shake thing whenever he walks in or out of doors. It's really weird. 
Like when you're trying to get hair out of your face, kind of a head shake. Ugh. I won't get into the details of what happened because I'm sure most of you already know. Long story short, Lin Jun entered Magnata's apartment of evil and destruction. He was murdered and tied down on the bed while Magnata performed unspeakable and horrible acts to his body. Oh, and of course, he was filming it. I believe Lin Jun was already dead by the time all that filming took place, which is like the only good thing in this entire situation. I honestly hope he felt none of that and that he did not suffer when the asshole killed him. If you've never seen the video that he filmed, do me a favor and don't ever watch it. If you want the details, go online and read about it or listen to a podcast about it. So the day after Lin was murdered, as in May 25th, he was supposed to show up for a shift at work. Obviously, he never made it, and the shop owner was slightly concerned, but because there had been a scheduling change that week, he just thought that maybe Lin forgot about his shift. It wasn't at all like him, but I mean, we all forget stuff from time to time. Also on this day, an 11-minute video began circulating online, starting from the website Bescore.com. It was titled, One Lunatic, One Ice Pick, which was Magnata's film of him dismembering and disrespecting Lin Jun's body. There are technically two parts to this video. Part one shows a naked man tied down on a bed facing up, alive, and slightly struggling. Part two jumps directly to a body tied down on a bed, not moving at all. It's difficult to tell if this was the same person as the first part, but later on we find out that they're actually two different people. The second man lying dead on the bed was definitely Lin Jun. You then see Luca Magnata stab the body repeatedly with an ice pick, dismembering body parts with a steak or butcher knife, then certain acts of necrophilia was also performed. At first, people were a bit skeptical about it, Many thought that it was too crazy to be real, but others responded that the way the body and skin reacted to the weapons used looked really realistic. Of course, at the time, no one knew it was indeed real and that it would end up becoming one of the worst cases to ever take place in Canada. On May 27th, about two days after Lynn's disappearance and murder, three friends were said to have been contacted by Lynn's ex-boyfriend the one who he was supposedly in a relationship while he was in China and Canada. Although the two had broken up, they still kept in touch regularly, and when the ex-boyfriend couldn't contact Lin Jun for two days straight, he contacted a friend and asked them to go check up on him. The three friends first went to Lin's place of employment, and the owner said that he hadn't seen Lin since the 24th. Then they went over to Lin's apartment and found that it was empty. They might have had a spare key because they entered and found that all of his belongings were still there and his cat was there and unfed. Clearly, Lin did not plan to leave for a very long time as all his personal belongings and essentials were still there, including his phone charger. And we all know how important those things are to us. Oh, and of course, he loved his cat. He wouldn't have left it alone with no food or asking somebody else to take care of it. Immediately, his friends went to the police and reported Lin Jun missing. But as we know, 
adult human beings have the right to leave and disappear as they wish. The police weren't too concerned, but Lin's friends knew that Lin would never disappear like this. On Tuesday, May 29th, Lin was officially listed as a missing person. And on that same day, several horrifying discoveries would be made that would eventually link back to Lin Jun. Two elementary schools in Vancouver would receive a mysterious package in the mail. And man, is this the stuff of nightmares. False Creek Elementary School received a box with a human right hand in it. And St. George's School received a right foot. A left foot was also mailed and received by the headquarters of the Conservative Party of Canada. Yes, there is also a left hand, and that was mailed to the Liberal Party, but it was intercepted at a processing facility before it could actually be delivered. I am going to assume it either smelled really bad or human stuff was leaking out of the box. On the same day, a suitcase that had been left sitting at the garbage disposal area of Magnata's apartment was finally opened after having been sitting there for two whole days. For some reason, the garbage collectors never took it, and the janitor finally was like, hmm, that's weird, so he did his own little investigation. Lo and behold, it was a human torso. Long story short, after a thorough investigation, all body parts were determined to come from the same person, and yes, that was Lin Jun. All that was missing now was his head, and that was found later on in a park in Montreal. Police had also figured out that the person behind this was Luca Magnata, but by this time, he was long gone. He had bought a ticket to Paris on Expedia. Police found bloodied items and human remains in his apartment. Definitely, no question, this was the crime scene. So, of course, it was time for the media and police to start hounding the case day and night. What happened was beyond horrible, and it would be strange if no one wanted to talk about it. But you know who didn't want to see anything or hear anything about this? Yeah, Lin Jun's parents. Apparently, his mother had received a call from his friends around May 27th as well, asking if she had spoken to him. And she said that, no, the last time she heard from him was also around the 24th. Then on the 29th, when news broke out about the identity of the victim, Lin's father, who was all the way over here in China, received a call from his niece telling him to turn on the news. He saw his son's face plastered all over the news channels. His only son was dead. He didn't understand. This can't be real. Lin's father began to feel dizzy and fainted from the shock. As for his mother, well, it was just as bad for her. Imagine being halfway around the world and learning about this with the rest of the world. Maybe even after everybody else. His mother was in denial at first. No, it can't be him. That's just not possible. She probably knew she was in denial, so once she felt the denial creep away, she blacked out. It was all too much. The media was going all out on this as well. So many questions. Why? How? Where was Luca? And who was Lin Jun? Why were they together? 
There were so many theories involving this murder, and some were just terrible to read about. Some were saying that the two were romantically involved, others said that they were both gay or maybe bisexual, and that it was a one-night stand gone wrong. Like, what? This is way beyond gone wrong. Another theory states that Lynn had grown friendly with Luca Magnata's ex, and this was Magnata's way of getting revenge. Lin Jun's friends all deny that Lin was intending to hook up with anyone, especially someone he didn't even really know. They described Lin as a simple and trusting person. He did not sleep around and was very intent on finding love rather than lust. Lin's friend assumed that Luca Magnata may have befriended Lin, probably being friendly and asking him over for a chill night in. Maybe order some pizza and just talk. It sounds legit though, because sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone in order to make friends. No one really expects to get murdered. But then I came across another theory on a Chinese website. Here is the brief summary of what it stated. I'm going to speak as the writer, so when I say I, I don't mean me. Okay, here goes. At first, I thought it was murder, but after finding more information about Luca Magnata and Lin Jun, I have a theory that Lin volunteered to get murdered. There is a certain fetish where people volunteer to get eaten by others, and it is labeled as one of the highest levels of S&M, where the master tortures a slave and finally finishes and reaches the ultimate high by eating them. There's a case in 2001 in Germany where a man went online looking for someone to volunteer to get eaten. Although these statements do not prove that Lin Jin volunteered and wanted this, it is still a possibility. There are things I do not understand about the murder of Lin Jun. Number one, why did Lin not fight back? Why did Luca Magnata not show the footage of the actual murder? If the person in the video who is seen tied and struggling in the bed is Lin Jun, then he could have tried to get out of the ropes, even if he was drugged. It doesn't make sense for someone like Magnata to not want to film the killing part, which would probably be considered something very exciting for someone like him. Number 2. Why did Lin Jun just go to Magnata's home? If he didn't know anything about Magnata, he could have done a quick internet search and found those animal torture videos. Chinese people are reserved, and anyone slightly out of the ordinary we tend to keep far, far away from. It's even more strange if he knew and yet still decided to hang out with Magnata. Number 3. In the last few posts in Lin's blog, he mentioned cannibalism and the word headless. Coincidence? Okay, so there are many things I need to point out and address. First of all, it was actually stated by many people that the person seen in the first part of the video, which is the person naked and bound in bed, struggling, was not Lin Jun. The video was said to have been taken days before the actual murder, and it had been circulating the internet for days already. So it couldn't have been the moments before Lin's murder. But I do agree with one thing. For someone as high profile and as intense and attention-seeking as Magnata, I am actually a bit surprised he did not film the actual murder. Next, I highly doubt Lin Jun knew anything about Magnata. There is zero proof that the two knew each other well 
or were even dating. I honestly think this is borderline victim blaming to say that, well, he should have googled him. No, a lot of people don't do that. I enjoy my occasional social media stalking, but there is no way I can stalk everyone I come across in real life. I have a life. Kind of. If Lin Jun had nothing to be suspicious of, why would he even think of looking him up? This is biased. As for the final comment, where Lin Jun's final blog posts mention cannibalism and decapitation, I didn't find a post about decapitation, but the cannibal-related post is really nothing. It was basically a shot of an empty train, and his caption was something along the lines of, the Midnight Cannibal Train, and that is literally the Chinese translated name for the movie, The Midnight Meat Train, which is a movie that came out in 2008, I think. I honestly don't think it had anything to do with Luca Magnata. It's like seeing a ship sink and you think of the Titanic. That's it. The person needs to chill out. Luca Magnata was eventually found in Berlin in an internet cafe. Can't say he was hiding because he was out in public and googling shit about his case online. Good thing he's such a huge sack of narcissists, or else it might have been harder to find him. I think it's amazing how Interpol works, how the internet cafe dude was like, hey, I've seen that guy's face somewhere, and he just calls the police. So that's that about Luca Magnata. There were candlelight vigils held for Lin Jun by his friends and classmates in Canada. His family did not turn up, though. I would suppose they needed more time and privacy, which is totally understandable. Lin Jun was originally supposed to be buried in China, as in back home, but under a lot of insistence and people reaching out, the Lin family decided that Lin Jun probably would have liked to remain in Canada, a place he always loved. Lin's mother brought up the Chinese concept of returning home, which literally translates to fallen leaves return to their roots. I imagine his parents really would have liked to have him back in China, but I guess they also wanted to grant their son's last wish. Lin Jun's friends and classmates also helped set up a foundation in Lin's name, hoping to help cover some of the costs in regards to the trial. Lin Jun's remains were cremated on July 11th, and the funeral was held on July 26, 2012 in a cemetery in Montreal. His father was the only family member to attend the funeral, and he cried the entire time holding on to the urn that held his son's ashes. There's a saying in Chinese describing parents burying their children, and I imagine that is the last thing any parent would ever want to do in their lifetime. Although Lin Jun's mom was unable to attend the funeral, she had written a statement and shared it with the media. Quote, I have been waiting for this day to come because my son can finally rest in peace in the land that he loves. When he left China and came to Canada to study, he wanted us to say goodbye with our smiles. And today, I think it's time to wipe our tears and see our son go with smiles on our faces. Back then, I could only use devil to describe the alleged murderer. But later on, when I learned more about the suspect through different news sources, especially about his upbringing, I shockingly discovered my other self 
who has started to develop sympathy for this person described as devil. End quote. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot imagine myself developing sympathy if I were her. Obviously, yes, I am not her, so yeah. His mom also stated in an interview that she believed her son was tricked into going to Luca Magnata's house and that he used Lin Jun's kindness. She also stated that the worst part, other than her son getting murdered, was the fact that the video exists. It's like her son is getting murdered over and over again every time somebody watches the video. That's just really painful. In Chinese culture, it is very normal for kids to grow up and take care of their parents as they're older. Kind of like um, repayment. Lin's parents were expecting this from him, and Lin was also hoping to provide and care for his parents. But that would never be the case. As for the Chinese online community, most people were shocked and very angry, as one would expect. Knowing how Chinese people are generally more reserved and cautious, some have stated that they feel like these things happen more often in the West than in, say, China. Many people are angry that there is no death penalty for Luca Magnata, and the fact that he can continue living his life and even get married in prison? That kind of shit does not fly in China. Of course, there are some annoying people online who accuse Lin of going to Canada just so he can live the gay life and fuck around. This is really disrespectful, and even, even if it was true. So what? Doesn't mean you should get fucking murdered and dismembered. I live in China right now, and I believe people's way of thinking has improved and progressed a lot, but I can't speak for everybody. Plus, I live in the capital, so it's a rather progressive place. A couple people did seem to think Lin Jun volunteered to get murdered. So, people believe what they want to believe. Lin's parents were very grateful to Concordia University, the police, and all of Lin Jun's friends. Before leaving, they said they understood why their son loved Canada so much, and they told the public that although this happened to their son, Canada is still a very lovely and safe place. As in, don't let one asshole ruin your entire experience. I'm actually a bit surprised at how reasonable Lynn's parents are. I could totally imagine people getting completely turned off because of this incident. Major love and kudos to them. So, there you have it. Another take on the disgusting crime committed against a very innocent man. I am aware that many of you are familiar with the case, but probably more on the Magnata end, as he is the criminal, he's alive, and he is just so fucking weird. I just wanted to contribute a bit more to this case from the victim's side, since I'm ethnically Chinese and I live in China. If you guys have any questions about this case, please feel free to let me know, and I would love to look even deeper into this. Wherever you guys are, please stay safe and avoid sketchy people. I know that's easy to say, because sketchy people don't wear warning labels, unfortunately, on their foreheads. So use your instinct, and don't be afraid to say no. I hope Lin Jun rests in peace, and as for Luca Magnata, you can rot in prison, please. Till next time.
Thank you all for returning to me. I'm sorry I was away, but I really needed time for myself. If you couldn't tell, I was also a little bit sick when recording, and my voice was kind of dry and a little cracked. Sorry for terrorizing your ears. So, I was very excited to see more people reviewing my podcast even as I was taking a break. So, thank you to, wow, P L O F P O from Canada, Lord Fraser from the UK, Road King 1995, as in, no, wait, Road King 1995 from Australia, and Bai Hantan from Denmark, but living in Beijing. Wow, what an international bunch we have. Awesome. But seriously, though, I can't believe there's a listener living in the same city as me. And I wonder if we are ever going to run into each other. Hmm. As for Patreon, thank you to Guberson McElhiney. I think that's how you say it. And Denise Berg for your support. I am so, so humbled and so, so flattered, and I promise to continue working my ass off. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate you all. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast. Please help me by rating, reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle Asian Madness Pod. If you have any comments or suggestions, do not hesitate to write me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.